Good morning, everyone. So happy to see you, and to see you happy. As we continue with our series, Disciples Making Disciples, I thank God for this opportunity that uh, I've been accorded through the leadership of the church to add a voice to this wonderful series that started with us learning about the God of the mountains and how there's this mountain, I can't pronounce it, but you are not allowed to get to the top of it. And the speaker says that's the same with God. The moment we think we have reached, we still find there's still, there's still more to know about God. You know, when Paul is, about, is dying, he's in prison, he's wounded, he has been through a lot of battles, but he says, I want to know him. And I'm like, but Paul, you have done great things through this God. And still he says, I don't see myself as having attained it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, I press on towards the mark. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings that I might also share in his glory. We heard of Christ who says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Yeah, me. You, I'm the one whom we are to follow. And the speaker says something that touched my heart, and I always share this with my family. He says, in as much as you may hear many speakers on internet, on YouTube, on TV, and in church, but desire to hear the voice of God. Desire to hear God speaking to you directly. And unfortunately, most preachers are now replacing God with themselves. They say, I am the prophet. When you hear me, you are hearing the voice of God. You are a liar. God is the one who should speak to us. He desires to have a personal relationship with us. So come, follow me. And then the third speaker spoke of Matthew, the text collector, sitting in the text collector's booth, a man who was hated by his own tribesmen because he was fleecing them of their hard-earned money and giving it to the Romans. He was hungry for acceptance. Like the young man, the, the, the short man, Zacchaeus, he said, he said to, be, to have been short, who climbed up a tree so that he could be accepted. Jesus accepted Matthew. Jesus ate with the tax collectors. He feasted with them, not to become like them, but so that they could become like him. And last week we heard about the heart behind the sacrifice. The speaker said it's not about the sacrifice, it's about the heart. Is your heart in the right place? Well, today, I'm sharing from Matthew chapter 9 as well. Because Matthew chapter 9 has really captured my heart. And I'm sharing from verse 35 to verse 38. And I'll read from my Bible. If um, you can open yours today, I don't have a presentation. I thought I would speak to you face to face without looking at the at the wall behind me. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep 
without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I'll read chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now today I'm going to talk about two C's that are mentioned in this scripture. Two C's. One of them you may not see it directly, but the other one is mentioned. But the other one you'll see it when I speak about it in, in the next few minutes. So we, we meet Jesus who went throughout, throughout all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. Now when Luke is writing the book of Acts, he says, Oh, dear Theophilus, the things I told you about Jesus, the things that he began to do and teach. Now, he wasn't playing around with alphabetical words to say, oh, do comes before teach because D comes before T. No, he was speaking what Jesus was when he was here on earth. He did first before he taught. He would show you before he spoke. He was the kind of man who would do things. And then when he has done things and people are like, who is this man? Who does these things? And then he would explain himself. He would come out and say, this is why I'm doing these things. So he did and taught. He did not teach and then do. He did. He showed them. And then he spoke to them. So before Jesus left on that Mount of Olives, he said, now all power and authority has been given to you. Now go. I've shown you the way. I've taught you the way. Now you go. I like Jesus because he is practical. He doesn't just give us words. You know, like lecturers at universities, they just give you notes and then they say, yeah, now you go and do assignments and bring them to me. And do not copy from the internet. I will know if you, if you, if you plagiarize, I will know it. I've shown you how to do it. Jesus would do it. He would heal the deaf. He would raise the dead. He would heal the sick. The man who used to be by the tombs, the man who was unapproachable, even social workers could not get to him because he was violent. Jesus, when he got there, the violence left the man and the man became normal again. So he used to do it and then he would teach it. I hope you get the the sense and the jargon in that statement. So here he's going through towns. He's not saying to his disciples, no, you go. I'm just telling you what to do. You go. No, he goes into towns and villages. And when he gets into towns and villages, his idea was not to sightsee. He was not going there to see the wall of devil. He was not, is it the wall of devil or wall of Cornwall? I know there's a place with a wall. He was not going to see the walls. He was not going to see the mountains. He created them. He knows all the mountains. He was going there because of the people. He was going there because of the masses that were in those places. Oh, wouldn't it be a great idea if we would go to a place not to see the place, but to see the people? Amen. To be on a plane to say, I am going to Turkey, not to see Turkey, but to see the Turkish. 
I am going to India, not to see India, but to see the Indians. Of course, as you see the Indians, you see India. But India is not in the formula. It is the Indians who are in the formula. So Jesus would go to places to see people. He says, I came for the sick. I came for the lost. I came for the blind. I did not come for the healthy. So he went through synagogues and he taught them. And verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now the first see is compassion. I was looking at this word and I was comparing it with a word that most of us associate with the word sympathy. I looked at the word sympathy and said, why doesn't it say sympathy? Why does it say compassion? Why not sympathy? Because sympathy is the easiest thing to do. Because sympathy, according to the dictionary, I consulted the dictionary this time, and the dictionary told me that sympathy is feeling sorry for someone because of the situation they are in. And then I was surprised because they put a full stop. And then they say, like when somebody's relative dies and you, you pass a condolence message that's being sympathetic with the person. But when it comes to compassion, they put the very same words that they put on sympathy. It is the very same definition. It is the very same meaning. But it has an addition. They say, you are feeling sorry for the person. You are feeling for their situation that they are in. And you desire to do something about it. This is where the difference is. It's like an enemy and an adversary. Those two words are different. An enemy will hate you. An enemy will not like you, but they will not do anything. They'll just hate you when you're walking. They'll just say, yeah, I hate that person. But they won't do anything. But the adversary will stand in your way. So the devil is not our enemy. He's our adversary. Where you are, when you're going to Tesco, he stands in front of you and says, if you want to go to Tesco, you have to pass through me. You remember that angel that was sent with an answer to Daniel and he was caught out by the prince of Persia. That's an adversary. He stands in your way to say, you are not, if you want to pass, you better pass through me. And you look at your adversary and you're like, how do I pass through? <laughs> but I thank God with Jesus we pass through. So it is the same with compassion. Jesus felt compassionate over people because of their situation. He felt he needed to do something. He did not just feel sorry for them. Feeling sorry for people is not going to help them in any way. It's going to make the situation worse. But when you have compassion, you have a desire. Something drives you. In the book of Proverbs, you hear a scripture that says, a laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. When you become hungry for people, that hunger drives you on. That hunger becomes the gears in a manual car that you change as you go towards desiring to see a change in people's lives. Now I'm going to talk about a person called a soldier. Now a soldier is taught two things among others. I know some of you were soldiers before. So I've never been a soldier. But I know two important things that soldiers learn. Number one, when you become a soldier, they want to remove the civilian mind from you. The civilian mind is the mind that feels sorry for people. Oh, he's so thin. Oh, look at him. He looks hungry. And meanwhile, he has got bombs all around him. So they say, we need to remove the civilian mind. And the way they remove the civilian mind is by beating you up. It's by making you go through hard things, hardships. I remember one of our elders back home who became a soldier. He says they would be woken up at one in the morning, in the middle of winter. And the commander would be like, 
Let's go swimming, boys. Come on, everybody, remove your clothes. Go in your bath suit. We are going to swim. And they're like, the temperatures are minus one degree. We are going swimming, boys. And whoever would not wake up would be beaten with the back of a gun. Let's move it. When he came back, he used to be light in complexion. He was so dark in complexion. He says that was six months of torture. They want to remove the civilian mind. They want you to become a monster. Don't trust anyone. I remember when there was war in one country in Africa and soldiers were walking through a village and the kids were playing football. You know, small kids. Joel, Zachary's, you know, playing football. And the soldiers said, oh, they are just kids playing football. In less than a minute, they were down. Those kids who were playing football were, just, were not ordinary kids. The message had already reached to say the enemy is in the camp from those kids. And they were wiped out. So they want to remove the civilian mind and put the mind of a soldier. Think like a soldier. When you look at a person, don't look at a person as your friend. See the person as your enemy. Because if you don't kill, you get killed. This is what soldiers teach. But here, Jesus, the number one teaching is he's removing the civilian mind from us and putting the mind of Christ in us. He's saying when you look at a human being, don't see a human being in the form of a civilian. Oh, he needs a new pair of shoes. Oh, he needs some clothes. Oh, that is good. That will not get that person anyway. Tomorrow those shoes will be torn. Tomorrow that, that, that piece of clothing will be torn. The person needs more than food. He needs Christ. So Jesus is teaching us. Jesus wants us to have his mind. When you look at people, he wants us to think the way he would think about this person. It's not about what the person is going through. It's about what the person will become if this situation continues in this way. These people were helpless and harassed. When you see them on Twitter, they are not helpless and harassed. They look all jolly. They look all good. They look all smiling. They, they, they are doing things. They, they, they are trending on social media. But they are helpless. It's a cry for attention. And Jesus is saying, when you look at them doing these things, do not hate them. You see, the civilian mind hates people. For what they do, oh, I hate those people. There are people who have literally labeled other people to say, this one is going to hell. This one may be heaven. No, this one, hell, definitely. This one, hell. No, not you, not you. I'm just pointing. <laughs> they have literally put labels on people. They have literally, people, you know, when you see the white bus going to stains, it writes stains in front, right? The people who have got hell in front of them because people have put labels. But look at Jesus. When you saw people, he did not put labels on them. Jesus put a label on sin, not the sinner. He put a label on sin to say sin must be destroyed, but not the sinner. Paul speaks sometimes of a Christian who is not being fruitful. He says, when you build with wood, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, your work will be tested with fire. And the fire will burn up all the wood and all the straw. But your life, you will escape with your life like a person escaping through the flames. So God is concerned about you. He wants you to get rid of sin so that you become like him. So he is sending us. He's saying, have a heart for the people. This is what Matthew was talking about. Have a heart. When you look at, when you see people dancing wildly, performing all those wild dances, when you see unusual things that are now being accepted on Netflix, that are now being accepted on Amazon, the things that the word of God does not accept, but the world is accepting it. 
It's now being normalized. It's now being pushed down our throats to say, accept. Accept that a child has two mothers. Accept that a child has two fathers. When the world is pushing us to accept those things, we do not accept the things, but we look at the people with compassion. And we say, oh Lord, these people need your help. When Jesus looked at people, they were, their Range Rovers were packed. Their Prados were packed. Their beautiful Ford Cougars were packed. Their Lamborghinis were packed. They were coming out of mansions, coming out of beautiful houses. They are managers, CEOs, but inside they are helpless and harassed. It's just outward appearance. I used to like a, a, a British comedy called Keeping Up Appearances by Mrs. Bucket. <laughs> I used to like it. She used to, to, to she, she gave an impression that it is well with us. It is well with us. She was, I, even today I will enjoy watching it. She, 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 she is a good example of how the world portrays itself. And meanwhile, inside, you know, your surname is Bucket. It's not Bouquet. The world wants to show us the beauty of the sewage that they're carrying inside them. Sewage is not beautiful. Sewage is disgusting. But the world covers up this sewage by calling it sewage. <laughs> and God wants us to see them with an eye that has compassion. To say, you need to come out of that sewage. And Jesus can bring you out. So the first C is compassion. Jesus wants us to have a compassionate heart. The heart that is like his. While hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He did not say, oh, you, oh yes, you hung me here. You shall see thunder today. You shall see lightning today. You, that's what today's men will do. Oh, you don't know me that well. No. He knew who he was. At one time, the disciples said to him, shall we call fire from heaven to consume them? He says, no. No, it's not about them. When you look at Malachi, God does not hate the divorcee. He hates divorce. It's not the divorcee that he hates. He hates the act. It is the act, not the actor. <laughs> Number two, I don't want to waste your time. <laughs> so when he sees these people, he has compassion on them because they looked helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. When sheep have no shepherd, they are scattered everywhere. When an animal comes in, they don't know where to run. They run in all directions. When you look at, at documentaries, when a lion is attacking a head, they split the head. That's, that's, that is the tactic that wild animals use. And oh, I spoke of a certain guy the other time, the guy who changes colors, the chameleon, if you remember. Now, I spoke to him about him as a conformer. But today, I want to speak to, about him as a tactician. The reason why he changes color is to catch prey. So when it becomes green, prey will not suspect that this green thing is not a leaf. Prey will come towards the predator. And it has got a very long tongue which rolls out and catches prey in a split second. So the second thing that God in Christ Jesus is teaching us, the second C is command. Now, generally, people do not like commands. That's why in the army, the second thing they teach you is to follow the command of the commander. That's why there's a person called commander, means the giver of commands. 
You don't just shoot. No. You wait for the commander to say, fire. And then you fire. When he says, hold your fire, you hold your fire. You don't continue shooting. Like saying, oh, this gun is going crazy. Man, this is good. This gun is like, woo. It's like I'm in a team now. You don't do that. You listen to... Co- so the reason why you go through soldier training is so that you learn to follow commands. Even if the command does not suit you. Even if it goes against what you believe or what you think is right, do it. Because I said so. Now the reason why we come to Christ and why Jesus is sending us to disciple people, being disciples, he wants us to be able to heed to command. Now he says here, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore. He did not say, oh, if you have time, pray. Whenever you're free, whenever the movie on Netflix ends, pray. If you want to test people in your house, stop the movie in the middle and say, let's pray. <laughs> That's when you realize that these people do not like you that much. They say, come on, look, this is the... the I was getting into it. Why? Why? And even if eventually they are to pray, they will pray grudgingly. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Yes, 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 yes. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. (laughs) Commands are not easy to follow. But they have got desirable results. So Jesus does not say when you find the time, pray. He says, pray to the Lord. No, you are not just praying to anyone. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plenty. Now, when you go outside, these people that you're seeing, it's God's harvest. They don't belong to hell. The Bible says hell was made for Satan and his angels, not for people. The fact that people are going to hell does not mean that God is pleased. He does not like the death of a sinner. He doesn't like it. He doesn't celebrate when a sinner dies. The world may celebrate, yes, the criminal in our neighborhood is dead. Oh, we can now sleep. God does not celebrate the death of a criminal. He celebrates the death of a saint. So he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth laborers into his harvest field. It's a command that he may send forth laborers. Now, he is not sending forth students. He is sending forth laborers. When companies are advertising for jobs, they don't say, we want students. They say, we want workers. We want people who know what they are doing. Okay, there's a graduate trainee program. That's a different one. That's why the graduate trainees are not paid that much anyway. But when it comes to workers, they want experience. And what Jesus was doing with the disciples and what he's doing with us is he's giving us experience. So that when we go out there, we go out there as people who know their God. You know, the testimony that I believe touches people is how God is touching you. I will talk about the God who touched people in the Bible, but the person who is listening to me is going to want to know what God is doing in my life. Oh, when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted up because I know the battle belongs to him. I've seen through the night I know that every fear of mine is safe in his hands. Every fear, when it comes into his hands, it turns into faith. He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. 
He's the only one who can. So when you speak to a person about this, you are harvesting. The person looks at you and says, if God can do it for you, that God can do it for me. So Jesus is giving the command to his disciples to say, pray therefore to the God of the harvest that he may send forth laborers into his harvest field. And then chapter 10, the story changes. It's just a gap from 9 to 10. Then he says, okay, I'm giving you authority now. Authority to do what? Go back to verse 35. Jesus went around in their synagogues, teaching them, healing them, casting out devils. And he says, now I'm giving you the same authority that I have. You see, Jesus could not give what he didn't have. He gave what he had. And even today, he's giving us what he has. Authority over evil spirits. Evil spirits that operate in our neighbors. He's giving us authority. You don't look at your neighbor and say, the next time I'm going to call the police. You are going to jail. Yeah, you deserve jail. No. <laughs> you, you need Jesus, my friend. You need a savior, my friend. He's giving us authority. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, he says, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I have given you authority to tremble upon serpents and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy and no harm shall befall you. So he is giving us a command. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and teaching them to observe all things. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Jesus has compassion. He wants us to be compassionate. Jesus has given the command. I don't know why we are still waiting. What are we waiting for? A packet of sweets? <laughs> no. We need to go. Because the people out there are dying. They are dying without Jesus. They are dying and when they die we say, oh, he said to have died because of drug overdose. Oh, I knew it. I knew this guy was a drug. I told you. Yes, and what did he do about it? If the person is beyond reach, I pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. I remember my wife one year, he, she, she, she wrestled with me about Whitney Houston before she died. She said, I feel like we need to pray for Whitney Houston. I, I, I'm having sleepless nights because of Whitney Houston. God needs to save her. And I says, well, you pray. You pray. Yeah. You pray. And a few days later, Whitney Houston was dead. That's when it came to me to say, oh, there's no one who is beyond reach. When it comes to Christ, even the person in the deepest part of America, the spirit of God can reach. We need to follow the command to say, pray that God may send forth laborers into his harvest field. I can tell you the story in Luke chapter 13 of a fig tree which was not bearing any figs. And the owner of the field was going there and looking and finding nothing. And he says to his laborer, he says, why are you keeping this tree here? Cut it down. It's wasting soil. It's a placeholder. But the, the, the worker said, oh, my king, just give me one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll put manure I'll water it. And after a year, if you see no fruit, cut it down. But if you see fruit, that's fine. What, 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 what God is desiring today is for the people out there to get a chance. One chance to come to him. And that chance is you. You are the chance that God is giving the people out there. So either way, if you can't reach the person, you pray for the person. 
If you can't reach the person, you pray and reach out to the person to say, come. Jesus loves you. I know the people who laugh, you think people will laugh out there. They will not laugh. Deep inside, they know they have a need, but they don't know what they need until you point it out to them. They need Jesus. And as I finish, when you begin to do, to have compassion and to follow the command, Acts 4 verse 33 says, and more grace was poured out upon them. When the apostles went out and preached the gospel, it is only when you preach the gospel that more grace is poured out on you. The gospel brings more grace. It is only the gospel. Why? Because you are doing the heart of God. On Thursday, we are being taught about the heart of God. You, are, you have now become part of the God's heart for the lost. More grace will be poured on you. You want a promotion at work? Go and preach the gospel. It's not like your manager will say, ah, because you preach the gospel. No, God will influence the manager to say, if you want to promote someone, promote that person. If you want to heal someone, may that person be healed of the cancer that has not yet come. God knows of a cancer that's coming. We don't know about it, but God knows and he removes it out of your way before you reach there because you are fulfilling the great commission that the Lord in Jesus has sent you to do. I'm going to pray for you before I sit down and ask the Lord of the harvest to help us to be compassionate, to help us to follow the command and to reach out. He's the God who turns graves into gardens. He wants to turn those graves out there into gardens, those bones into armies. You are the right vessel that God is choosing today to do his work. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. May your grace be poured out in abundance upon your church, upon your people. To go out there as a mighty army to bring many people back to you, Jesus. Back to the cross. You said in the book of John chapter 14, you said, is it chapter 14 or chapter 10? It's chapter 10 where you say, there are sheep out there which are not yet in this sheep pen. I must also bring them in so that they become one. So that they follow my voice. They listen to my voice. I pray you have ordained us, you are sending us by your power and by your anointing. Lord, we want to go and bring them back so that your house is full, so that they come to worship and so that they come to be satisfied with the water that wells up to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you.